Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith, and we are on episode 125. We are still in our More Than Conqueror series. Today we are talking about the giant of fear versus the Lord of Heaven's armies. As I begin this podcast, we have just begun the 2020 Olympic season. Usually, I'm more enthused. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know when the uh, ceremonies were going to begin. I knew it was on the horizon. There are certain sports, both in the winter and in the summer Olympics, that I'm especially fond of. But I just wasn't paying attention this year. I guess a whole lot on my plate, a whole lot of things going through my mind. And I just wasn't focused. But as I was thinking about this particular episode and talking about the giant of fear, I was trying to get in the minds of these Olympians. How do you think that they got to where they are in their particular sports? How many times do you think they had to overcome fear in order to go up a notch? One of my favorite sports is women's gymnastics. And I know that is one of the most popular sports, especially from a United States standpoint, in the Olympics. The U.S. team has had such incredible success from a medal count, from an individual recognition standpoint. And I think about that balance being, have you ever watched women's gymnastics? If you have not, just go YouTube and and do balance being and just watch that. How many times little girls, when they are learning on the balance beam, how many times they tumble? Like this thing is tiny, tiny. And if it were on the floor, many of us would fall off if we were just trying to walk on it briskly. Forget about trying to do multiple back flips of this sort and size and and the twist that they do. Oh my goodness. And yet somehow they do it. And it's not that when they get to the peak of their career where some of these young ladies are, that they don't have the same fear because they fall and they fall even harder than they would have as little children. Number one, because they're bigger. Number two, because what they are trying sends them so high in the air that they've got so much farther to fall. So how do they do it? Well, they focus on something besides the fear because I can pretty much guarantee you that even the best of the best, if he or she, well, it's just a she, because it's the, the he's do not do the balance beam. Not quite their thing. They do some crazy things themselves that are just crazy scary. But if she were to go up there and to flip onto that or to jump onto that, and she is focusing on, I'm afraid of falling. I'm afraid of falling. I'm afraid of falling. What is most likely going to happen? 
yep, she's going to hit. She's going to hit the ground, and it's not going to be good. Each of them who have become really good at this, not only are they physically in incredible shape and have control, have balance that I cannot even imagine, but they've learned to focus not on the fear, but on their routine, on what they are trying to accomplish. They've managed with great training and great intensity to focus on something besides the fear element. You know, fear is a giant that you and I have faced from our probably youngest memories until we cross over to be with Jesus if we have a relationship with him. Next week, we're going to talk about the giant of death. When it comes to fear, that is one of the greatest fears of so many people's life, and understandably so. We're living in the time of COVID, and now COVID, at least in South Louisiana, is ramping up again. And so the fears are going up again. And part of that fear is the fear of death. Uh, some of it is the fear of catching the disease and how it's going to change somebody's life. But many people are, are scared to die for a variety of reasons. We will talk more about that in our next podcast. But for this week, we're going to focus just on the giant of fear. You think about it as a tiny, tiny child. What would have been some of your fears? Well, you wouldn't have been able to articulate them. But when somebody you loved left the room, you were afraid they weren't coming back. Why do little children cry and cry and cry when they are left alone with someone they don't know? They're afraid. They aren't able to articulate it, so they cry. But they are articulating it in their own way. As we grow up, we have different types of fears and different levels, different intensities. Think about it on like jungle gyms when you were a child. Some kids were fearful, and I was one of those. Like, forget about the Olympics. I wouldn't have even been trying for the, the very first lesson in that process because I wouldn't even flip over the bar. I was scared of falling. I was scared of getting hurt, whereas my neighbor, she didn't seem to have those same fears. It was the same equipment. We were somewhere about the same size. But she would just do it. She wasn't paralyzed by the fear, but I was. Whereas there are other things that I am not going to back down from, even though there is fear in my heart, that others are like, you do what? You stand up in front of people and speak? I would never be able to do that. Well, it's amazing how you can overcome your fears. We've been talking as our jumping off point each and every week for the last few months about the story of David and Goliath. And we've talked about Goliath and the fact that we have to acknowledge the giants in our life. 
You know, if David had just pretended that that giant was not there, that wouldn't have led to this incredible victory and you and I talking about this today. But at the same time, he could not be paralyzed by staring at that giant. He he sized up his giant. He brought the giant out in the light and like acknowledged him. But he overcame any fears that he might have had in order to go up against him. Is opposite as that was the reaction of Saul and the military men. Remember, David was a shepherd boy. David wasn't even there to be in the military, but when he saw and heard Goliath run in his mouth and, you know, thinking he was all that, David's heart started pumping. But when Goliath is ranting and raving in verse 11, we see Saul. When Saul, so Saul was the king of Israel. He was a head taller than most everybody else. Should have been the one to step out and go, well, I will face down Goliath. Um, but he didn't. It says, when Saul and, the other, Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. And they were so terrified and deeply shaken that they just did not move. They refused to face. So every day they were reminded of the object of their fear. And every day they shrank back. Whereas David handled it so very differently. There's no doubt that he had some level of fear in his gut. But he looked at Goliath and he thought about the Lord of Heaven's armies who had rescued him from the lion. Who had rescued him so many times. And he's like, there is no comparison. And God was honored and worked through David to give him the victory that has been represented on flannel boards and in so many ways over the years. When I think about my own life and I think about fear. There are many types of fear. In my own just recollections, when I first think of fear, I think about a situation that happened to me now over 20 years ago. Wow, <laughs> how time flies. It was a situation where I was called to trying to figure out exactly how to word this because I may have people from my hometown on this uh, podcast. So I, I'm always very careful of how I, I state things. But I was called to step into a situation where I was to assess just how much damage had been done by a particular person. And when I finished with that assessment, I turned it over to the authorities and it wasn't a good thing. I mean, it was good that the person was outed. It was not a good thing because the violations were so very severe. And the penalties would have been very severe as well. When I just paused long enough to think about how life-changing this was going to be for the person. And I thought about who they are, 
and who they were connected with, all of a sudden, I became very fearful. I worked in a building where many times I was in the building by myself after hours. And I started looking for some sort of danger around every corner. I was paranoid. And when we talk about fear, some fear is healthy. Like I needed to have a healthy fear of my surroundings and I would be better off if I would have a healthier fear even now because sometimes I can get distracted and not be paying attention. But this was beyond that. I remember sitting in my living room one night and there was this window that faced out onto the road. And I just sat there and pretty much imagined that someone was outside. This was paralyzing me. Talk about not being all God cre created you to be. I wasn't moving forward in my faith life in any way during this particular season of time. And I do not remember what kind of God bright light moment that got my attention. But at some point, God just slapped me into reality and reminded me of who he is and whose I am. And all of a sudden, there wasn't any physical threat by anyone that could stand in comparison to the armies of the living God. And even though my circumstances had not changed one bit, my focus had changed and I was able to move forward. I was able to do what I needed to do. What about you? What in your life at this very moment is the primary fear that you are facing? Might be physical. It very much might be physical. You might be fearing for some physical danger. It may be financial. I know in my life, that probably has been the one that has put more fear into my spirit than any other because it's one that I've had to deal with again and again and again. Being a Hurricane Katrina survivor, that did not help the situation at all. Maybe it's a fear of rejection. Maybe it's a fear of losing someone, whether it be to death or whether it be in a relational context. Maybe it's a fear of embarrassment. I mean, the list of fears can go for days. But how do any of them compare to the power of the Lord of Heaven's armies? One of the stories that I dearly, dearly love from the Gospels is the story 
of Jesus walking on water. So in Matthew 14, we have two narrative sections before we get to where we are focusing today. So first we have the death of John the Baptist. And Matthew goes into the details regarding John the Baptist's death. And Jesus heard the news and he wanted to get away. I mean, he just needed some time to himself. But the crowds were pressing in on him so much at this time that they wouldn't let him alone. And they followed him. And he ended up healing the sick. And after a while, he's like, they need food. So he ended up feeding them. You remember this story. This is the feeding of the 5,000 men. And so the story that we're talking about is in Matthew 14. It's 22 through 36. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. The disciples were obedient to what Jesus told them to do. They took off, they got in the boat, and left him alone to do what he needed to do. He wanted to finish up with the people. Then he wanted to go spend some time with his father, praying, grieving. We don't know any other details. We just know he needed some time alone with the Lord. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. So, like, did Jesus not know that there was going to be a bad storm, and that's why he sent them into the waves? No. That's not how this happened. We have so many different people that... How do I nicely word this? Who stand up in front of others and supposedly speak for God. But they, they paint this rosy picture that if you are obedient to God, that everything's going to work out all the time. Like, I have no idea what Bible they're reading, but Obviously, it is not the same one that I am. Because how many times do you see, including Christ himself, being obedient and things do not go well from a human standpoint? The disciples have done exactly what they were told to do, but a strong wind has risen and they have to fight the heavy waves. They're on a boat. It's about the middle of the night. And they're just freaking out, um, as probably many of us would be. You know, some of them, being in a boat was their trade. They were fishermen. Some of them were not. Like Matthew, who wrote this gospel, Matthew was a tax collector. So you're talking like white-collar kind of dude here, probably not used to being on a boat in this type of weather. And here they all are. They have gone into this. They've done what the Lord told them to do. And yet, they're in the midst of a storm. 
about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Oh, what? That, you know, they're already, the boat is going crazy. They're being tossed to and fro. They're probably tossing up their supper. Like just some craziness going on. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. I have no idea what the word is in the original Greek, but I'd pretty much bet that our word terrified probably does not even touch how tripped out they were at the sight. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Yeah, they were tripped out. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And so there have been many people over the years who have, uh, well, they've kind of done a thumbs down on Peter. Not at this point, but as we go into the next couple of verses. But I don't see any of the others saying, hey, Jesus, let me walk to you. Like they didn't even get out of the boat. It probably honestly didn't even cross their mind to get out of the boat. Peter was one of those that opened his mouth and didn't have a have much of a filter. But he also thought outside the box, so to speak. So he's saying, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Like who else ever in the history of the world has had the privilege of walking on water? Yeah, I think it's probably just Peter and Jesus. So Peter, he showed extreme courage because just to get out of the boat and to even attempt in that kind of, I mean, if it had been flat water and it was a beautiful day, it would have still taken courage. But I'm sure that Peter was a good swimmer and he would have thought, you know, if I go down, I go down and I can come back up. But he's in these waves that are tossing the boat to and fro. This took tremendous courage just to get out of the boat. But verse 30 is where I want us to focus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sing, Save me, Lord, he shouted. Do you think he didn't see the strong wind and waves before? I mean, we know that he did. They're out there on the boat, and he would have been one of the main ones that was trying to keep things under control, since this was part of what he did on a daily basis before Jesus came along. But there was a moment there, or two, where he wasn't looking at the heavy waves. He wasn't looking at the evidence of wind. He was just looking into the eyes of Christ. And for that brief time, the fears of this world 
and the danger that could happen, well, they just fell behind. But when he took his eyes off of Christ and began looking at the giant of fear, he became terrified and began to sink. Peter gets two thumbs up for me for having the courage to get out of the boat. And I'm not going to be the one to dog on Peter because he looked at the wind and waves. Because I find myself doing that each and every day. If I would stare constantly into the face of my Savior, I would not have time to get freaked out about the circumstances that might happen. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. <laughs> then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed in Gennesaret, where the, um, where the people recognized Jesus. The news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. Some people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. Peter. When Peter saw the strong wind and waves, when he looked away from the Lord, his fear overtook him. And he went down. For you, right now, what is the primary fear area in your life? And do you find yourself focusing every waking minute or a good portion of them on that fear area? And freaking out. How can you remind yourself? How can you do a better job of not focusing on your giant of fear? But focusing on the Lord of Heaven's armies. Would it be helpful for you to put up our memory verse of this week? Psalm 34, 4. I'm waiting on it to pull up on my screen. I prayed to the Lord and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Would that maybe be a good verse? Or maybe one of the verses that just talks about who God is. Just the awesomeness of the Lord of Heaven's armies. Maybe it's some of the verses that I mentioned a few weeks ago where we were talking, just as we started out talking about the Lord of Heaven's armies, when it came to Elisha 
and just the the armies that were surrounding them that the servant couldn't see until God opened up his eyes to be able. You know, God is at work. And whatever it is that is stirring up fear in you, by chance do you think that God is, obliv you know, just oblivious? He doesn't realize what's going on? Like you, if you are his child, he knows. And there's a reason he has allowed whatever fear factor there is in your life. For me, during that season of time when I was concerned about physical harm, there were some legitimate parts to the fear. But there was irrational fear that came. It was one thing to be cautious. It was another thing to be held captive. In your life, what can you do today to help you focus more on the Lord of Heaven's armies and not on the giant of fear? If it's fear of financial failure, putting a God supplies all my need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus scripture. Philippians 4.19 Or the fact that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There are verses throughout scripture about pretty much anything you could possibly be fearful about. A reminder of how God can take care of it. <coughs> Excuse me. And you. The giant of fear versus the Lord of Heaven's armies. Does the giant of fear stand a chance? Not if you do not fuel the pump. If you keep staring and you don't call into action the power that is contained within you, if you are a follower of Christ and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, the giant of fear wins just by you not showing up. Let's not get to the end of our lives and look at the Father with eyes of fear, afraid of what he will say because we stood paralyzed by fear of whatever in this life. Fear more disappointing the Father than you fear anything else on earth. Thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, you can see some information down in the show notes. Again, I would love you to participate in our Facebook group, Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. That information is down below. And you could reach out to me via email at encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. I'm going to close us in prayer. Dear Father, I thank you so very much for each person who is listening to the sound of my voice. Dear Father, you know that I, in no way, shape, or form, 
get an A plus on focusing on you instead of the giant of fear in my life. There are so many areas that I can just get caught staring. And I do not move forward with what you have called me to do. And I apologize. Dear God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray, dear God, that you would wake them up. Dear God, that you would remind them that you created the heavens and the earth. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You, dear God, rule and reign. And if they will just trust you, you will accomplish infinitely more than they could ever ask or imagine. I thank you for Peter. Dear God, I thank you he had the courage to get out of the boat. And I thank you, dear Father, that as we hear in the book of Acts, he finally had courage to stand for you. He learned, but sadly, he learned the hard way. I pray, dear God, that you would help us to learn faith in you, one faithful step at a time. May we each seek you with all our heart, and may we truly be freed from all the fears that keep us from becoming all you created us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm -hmm.